I want to talk to you about spiritual help. You guys remember when uh, John Lennon wrote Help, the Beatles song, Help, I need someone help, not just anyone. Help, you know, I need someone help, right? So he wrote this song inspired thematically and sort of stylistically by Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, you know, had the sort of uh, soulful folk kind of a thing. And so John wanted to write it in a tempo that was slower. And so it was really actually... Um, uh, George Martin felt like, no, we're on a roll with a certain style of the Beatles sound, and it's all like, I want to hold your hand, it's all real fast pace. So he made him take that strong, lamenting poem and put it in a fast pace. So it's like, help, I need somebody, help. You know, so it's like, but if you listen, if you read, isolate the words and read it, it's like the cry of everybody's heart. And, and, you know, John lost his mom at an early age at an accident. And, and he, you know, we, we actually lived in Liverpool, and I found where he lived. And, and I went into this, this uh, area, and I, he had this big tree um, out in his yard where he used to sit up in his tree and just kind of contemplate things. And I, when I read about the, the lyrics of when I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. So he was in all this self-reliance. He said, now those days are gone and I'm not so self-assured. And uh, I thought, wow, the, the, these are like the, the crying of, 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 it sounded like my heart as a lost person. It sounds like what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3, that God has set eternity in our hearts. And I just want to tell you that Jesus is our help. God is our help. And I want to show you something that he says in John chapter 16. And what I want to preach about is the helper, the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you about how he'll help us to be led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you, it appeals to you that you could actually be led and guided by the third person of the Trinity himself, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit that came on, on Jeremiah and Isaiah to prophesy and, and, and Ezekiel and, and, and to, to be able to be strengthened to do what he was called to do. Does it appeal to you that there's actually help on the way? That In fact, he said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Can I just tell you, I want to brag on God today. And what I want to do is help you to understand God is spirit. It says in John chapter 4, and those who worship him or follow him or live with him must get tuned into this and worship him in spirit and truth. It's not strictly our intellect. It's not how we feel. I'm in a movement where we get touchy-feely and really enjoy the experiential aspects of the Holy Spirit. I don't downplay that a bit. I love it. I don't ignore it. I'm thankful for it. I also am grateful for the, the uh, philosophical and psychological balance that the Word of God actually is. It is actually psychologically sound as well as spiritually sound. So I'm grateful for that, and I do worship God with my mind. But I am connected with God by the Spirit. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, uh, the, Solomon said it this way. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. And I think along with that, Psalm 18, 28 says something similar to that, 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 that God's spirit... Uh, is in touch with our human spirit. At the new birth, we be, just like these little babies, um, Stacy's mom uh, is, is holding my little Evangeline, 
and she's as a little human. Uh, stand up. Could you stand up and show that little baby? That's a, that's, a, that's a cool little baby right there. Oh, well, that's my grandbaby. Okay, so that's little Evangeline, and she's got two eyes and two ears, and thankfully she's perceptive, and she's learning as a little human being. And uh, God's given her, she's sentient, meaning she has senses, and she has a little brain there that's growing. Well, a real big brain, actually. She's one of my kids. But anyway, so but that, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, it says in John 3. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That's why to transition from a religious observation to a, a spiritual relationship, that's called the new birth. And even before I was saved, uh, my parents had taught me there is a God. So I, I didn't, I did, though I grew up in a so, somewhat secular home, it was not a God-hating, God-dismissive, uh, uh, humanism kind of spectrum. It was, no, there's a God. Uh, but my parents, they, they, we really didn't know him. We knew about him. And then I ran into wide awake Christians. And that's what I'm trying to foster here at Family Church so that we have Jesus central. We've experienced the new birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Uh, she has, she's eight months old now. She has had, you know, those month, birth months. And eventually she'll have a birthday. Um, and then, uh, but there's a spiritual birth. I, I realized it was 50 years ago last month that I, the lights went on in my life as a teenager and Jesus turned my life around. And I, I, you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then God's Holy Spirit uh, speaks to our spirit. Uh, he, that's why we, I push aside psychic stuff. I don't need crystals. I don't need uh, you know, chakras. I don't need those kinds of things. I don't need to have the alien, space aliens come and uh, stimulate parts of my brain so I can pick things up. I know that God sent his son and that he revealed the kingdom to us and then he sent the Holy Spirit. And here's how I know this. Uh, well, I'll read, first I'll read Psalm 18, 28. It says, for you light my lamp. You light my lamp. The Lord my God illumines my darkness. You light my lamp. Oh, man. You know, remember when the doors wrote, uh, light my fire. And Jose Feliciano played it on his, 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 his nylon string guitar. And it was just so nice, such a good song. And You know, Peter Gabriel even said that love songs can easily, just as easily be addressed to God. I thought, yeah, I like that. Because I do love the Lord. You do too. And I hear those songs. I, I think about the romance I have with my wife. And actually, whenever I do a wedding, uh, uh, we speak in reference to Christ in the church that he gave himself up for it, and that husbands ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church, right? So then that we think about, let's me, let me figure out how much Christ loves the church. Jesus loved the church so much he gave himself up for us, right? That's why communion is such a big deal, because he's, he's given us his own, I mean, look at him. At 33 years old, he's willing to suffer and die. And, and, and when he was telling people this, Peter goes, oh, no, no, Jesus, don't die. You know, we're, we're so into you being here on the earth, here in Israel, and we want you to vanquish our enemies. The occupiers were the Roman, uh, the Roman group. They, they didn't like that. And so they thought in terms of uh, natural terms, militaristic terms, domineering terms. 
And Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. I didn't come to establish a bunch of politicized power stuff. I came to liberate each individual heart from the worst thing in existence, which is sin. And I'll take that sin in order that you might be made righteous. Look what it says here in, in John 16, verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your heart, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I, go, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. John Lennon singing, help, I need somebody. Help, I need someone. Help. This is the answer to that cry. Jesus, the stabilizer, the Prince of Peace, Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, right? And he says, it's good that I go away. They're like, wait a minute. In Hebrew school, we learned what the prophet Isaiah said about the, uh, the aspects of the Messiah. He would be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We don't want you to go away. In fact, you know, that's why Jesus had to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You savor the things of man and not the things of God. My secret ambition is to come and suffer and die and lay down my life as a ransom. My father sent me on a mission, a rescue mission, to save sinners. And I am, don't you talk me out of it. Don't you try to stimulate anything other than that. I am going to do what God's called me to do. And as a young, young man, 33 years old, he suffers and dies between two thieves that were actually guilty. And yet he took on my guilt. He died for me. He died for you. Though our sins were scarlet, he makes them white as snow. He throws them as far as the east is from the west. He is so merciful. And aren't you thankful mercy triumphs over judgment? Thank you, God. And Jesus suffered and died for us. Listen to what it says here. He says, uh, I'm going to send a helper and, and, and I will send him to you. And then he said in verse 8, and he, look, when he comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will look. He'll convict or convince or persuade or deal with the world concerning three things, sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, this is the bread on this sandwich, sin and judgment. Uh, it, 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 it's such harsh stuff. But what is in the center of it is that righteousness is available. He says, I'm going I'm to convict you of sin concerning sin because they do not believe in me. That is the sin leading unto death, the sin of rejecting Jesus. That's the unforgivable sin. That's the sin of rejecting Jesus, people rejecting Jesus, and even though he's been provided for and the Holy Spirit's dealing the world. They, 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 he's dealing with it. He dealt with me. I was lost. And he was dealing with my callous heart. Aren't you glad God was throwing a lifeline to you when you were a kid? And dealing with you as an adult? And working with you as a believer? Aren't you thankful? And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. He, and he says this, he says, I have many things, more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In verse 13, but when he, say, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, what will he do? He'll guide you into all the truth. I want to talk to you about being led by the spirit. And so it makes sense to understand that he'll guide you by the spirit. 
It's important for us to understand that God is spirit. It's important for you to understand that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You're not just to be body conscious and flesh, fleshly, uh, and, and you're not to be just intellectual and, and, and reasoning, although rationale and reasoning are a gift from God, and our bodies are certainly a gift from God. You need to understand you are made in God's image and that you are a spirit being. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God's word is spirit and truth. That's why the Bible's so wonderful. It's, it's, it's not unlike any other book. It, it, it's, it's right they put Holy Bible on the spine of these books because it, in fact, is inspired by God. Men of old were moved by the Holy Spirit. You, people could argue, well, didn't men write it? And if so, then isn't it the telephone game where it's all fragile and not to be trusted? Yeah, it would not be trusted if, for the fact that God inspired it. Had God not inspired it, it would just be more religious literature that, that is floating around on the hemispheres of the planet. But since God moved on people and the Holy Spirit breathed it into them and they wrote down the things the Holy Spirit spoke to them and then God preserved his word through all the thick and thin of humanity for 2,000 years and now we have Genesis to Revelation. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It can be trusted and we could study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed handling accurately and rightly dividing the word. And thankfully, because the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and we just read that he'll guide us into all the truth, he'll show us things to come, and he'll guide us, and he'll take from Jesus and reveal to us, and he'll quicken us. Isn't that great to know? That his spirit is alive and very active, and we're in the church age. Some people call it the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now has proliferated throughout the whole planet, and we can enjoy his benefits. Aren't you thankful for that? Yes. that? That he said, it's good that I go. It's to your advantage that I go. You know, credit card companies or gymnasiums or grocery stores will tell you all the advantages you and I and we have if we'll go with their services. Airlines will tell you, you know, the frequent flyer miles and the program, and not only will bless you with more flights, but you get cheaper, uh, dis you get discounts at hotels or even at car rentals, and they try to tell you the advantage, the advantage. God's telling us, he says in Proverbs 3.1, Proverbs 3.1, I preached this Friday night, it's good for today. He said uh, that we're not to, he said, my son, do not forget my teaching. Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Look at, then he starts telling the advantages and the perks. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Yeah. God answered my prayer when I was lost at sea in New Zealand and got me back in the boat. I was, I was lost. I could have been lost and they never could have found me. But God answered prayer, gave wisdom to the ca captain. Don't you know that's my testimony? I've shared it 50 million times here. That my mom was, had an abortionist come to the house in San Francisco not once but twice and was, had an appointment the third time because uh, stubbornly I was, not, I was not being sloughed out. And they tried to put her in a bathtub and she told me and I could tell this is why, this is why she's troubled. I now, you know, I got the why of it. Wow. This might have impacted her for her whole life. I think it did. Well, it impacted me and I'm thankful forever that on the third bout, somewhere along the line, it still remains a mystery to me, but she said she had a scripture 
Behold, I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life so that you and your seed may live. So when I see little Evangeline over there, that's what I think. I'm even grateful to a mom that I did not have a very good relationship with. I'm grateful to the God that touched her and helped her. And I'm grateful she got saved. She asked me to pray with her to receive Jesus. She was upset when Patsy and I met each other because she knew, because she was so fervent for God, she knew that this would cement us into a deeper devotion to the Lord. And she got upset about it. That's how, how convoluted her thinking was for a period of time. But lo and behold, she got saved. And our dad came to church and worked here for 11 years. And he, John Moore said he was back there leaning up against the curved part of the wall back there. And during worship, he was going like this. Remember that, Pastor John? He, you told me he, you saw him just kind of slip his hand up. And uh, he would drive up when we would go down the levees and work with families uh, who, whose houses were all ruined. And he said, um, there's somebody here that uh, needs ministering to. You know, he didn't even know how to say the verbiage, but he was starting to be, because I was confessing that he was a soul winner. Because he that's wise wins souls. And I was believing God, not only for my brother, I prayed, for, I had a vision of my brother in hell, and for two weeks I just prayed and interceded to God. People, I saw him with his fingers gnarled back and his face taut and flames coming up around him. And I prayed for him, and God moved and sent people to talk to him, and he gave his heart heartily to the Lord. I remember we were at a church service. He had a van load of friends, and they all they were all like deer in the headlights. My brother brought them all in, and they, you know, I went up to the altar to pray for them, and this guy went up and said, okay, what son, what sin are you repenting of? I said, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually doing good. I'm just up here praying for the, those lost people back there. And he goes, so then finally he kept, you know, and I finally I came up with something like, oh, well, and I came up with some sin. I had to, actually, I, I was repentant. And the guy, the altar worker, just wouldn't let up. And so I was like, just get off my back. I'll just re-repent of this, you know. <laughs> that happened. And how many kids did you have in that van? It was 15 to 17. So the story has vacillated, but there were a lot. Everybody said, that's a lot. And God sent John Zeroya to talk to my brother at the Dunkin' Donuts on Manchester Road uh, and, and bought him a donut and a coffee and talked to him about Jesus. And uh, my mom said, I don't want to have this critical attitude. I don't want to have these demons. And I said, okay, so we prayed. We prayed. And salvation came to my household. So I'm up here preaching at 42 years pastoring here in St. Louis this month. My wife, my wife and I have been pastoring for 42 years in St. Louis. And we were ministering before that, trying to live in Europe, because we saw what was happening, what's happening now in America was happening in England and Europe years before the decline was happening years before. We had no idea this was going to happen to America, but God sent us missional people back to, re to build a home base in Chesterfield from which to reach the nations of the world. And, it can't, and, we don't, and you know, Zechariah 4.7, it's not by might, it's not by power, never has been, never will be. Man's methodology has its place. Success principles have their place. Hard work and all that has its place, no question about it. Uh, but in right priority, uh, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. And the good news is, he said, it's good that I go because it's to your advantage. I'm going to send you a helper. Yeah. I'm going to send you a helper. And, 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 his, and he will glorify me for he will, he will take of mine and will disclose it to you, it says. He, he's the spirit, verse 13, but he, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all the truth. 
for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And don't you know the Holy Spirit is hearing clearly, and he will disclose to you what is to come. And I believe that's end-time prophetic stuff about the timetable we're in with Israel and the nations and the gospel and the Antichrist and all those things. He'll give us a heads up about that. But I also know on an individual basis, as you as a person, the, God the Holy Spirit, and I know this because Romans 8.14 says this. It says that, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8.14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God. I believe the Holy Spirit led you to come. I believe when the Ockerhausens moved from Kansas City, God led them into this house. I believe God led the, the malls, Phil, Phil's mom and dad. And, and uh, I enjoyed Rich and Joyce for decades. Now they're present with the Lord. God knew that Phil needed to get married to this sweetheart who has his back, who's sweet. They're just, you can't, sep- if you try to get a piece of, of a computer paper, printing paper, you could not get in between. These guys are, and, and it's, she's an only child. He's an only child, right? They know about, and they've got a covenant with God. And I am really proud of these guys. And I'm excited about the indications of what I'm preaching. That Holy Spirit leads us. He guides us. He's doing a work in us. He's so faithful to us, right? He'll bring us through stuff. He, he, he'll turn your mess into a message. He'll turn your test into a testimony. He even takes all our junk and he says, look, I could, I, I, I could come in and work this out. Well, even your own... Your own failures hurts from other people, and he'll just walk you through it, right? Because he's just so good. He said, he will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. Boy, that reminds me of Romans 8, verse 16. Verse 15, you know, he says, he says you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear. His spirit himself testifies. Verse 15 says this. Verse 15, I want to read this to you. The verse before, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. So you're not in religious bondage. See, man tries to turn everything into religious bondage. Uh, if you notice world religions, they have to, it's like salvation through grace and by faith through grace plus. And Jesus is saying there, you don't add stuff to this. The gospel is powerful. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. It's your belief. I'm relying on the mercy of God, but then he, you have received a spirit of adoption as sons which, by which we cry a personable connectedness and relational uh, value. You're my very own father. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Say, Abba, Father. And then in verse 16, it says... The Spirit himself, that's a capital S, Holy Spirit, capital H, himself, deity, testifies with our small s, human, recreated human spirit, testifies, uh, King James says, bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. When I got saved, I had an assurance that I was saved. Don't you know the devil will occasionally come up even on a long-distance running believer and make you, are, are you sure you're saved? He's evil, man. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's why we've got to stay in the Word. That's why John said, I wrote these things to you so that you may know you have eternal life. That's a no-so. So, well, you think you're so confident. Well, and, and you could get judgmental if you think it's based on performance because we've all failed. 
We all get an F on a report card in terms of the ability to get right. Even our righteousness are like filthy rags in God's sight. And filthy rags starts with an F. That's why you get an F on your report card. And it's filthy because it's like, God, I'm going to try to earn your favor with you. Because, you know, you don't, you don't get it. That, it's, it. It's not that way. I, I sent my son, and he, he died for you. Like, when I, when I got rescued from the water... It wasn't because I was skilled in the water. I'm good in the water. I grew up uh, by the ocean, and I'm a good swimmer. I'm a really good swimmer. But that didn't save me. No matter how good a swimmer I was, I kept going out into the ink black sea 80 miles off the north tip of New Zealand at the chain of uh, uh, the Three Kings Islands that was uninhabited, and there were no other boats at the time. It was just us. And Jesus, yet Jesus... It, you you want to know where he is? He's a very present help in the time of need. In fact, we read about this other helper to imply he's another helper. Let me just tell you about God our Father. Psalm 46.1, oh, one of my favorites. The psalmist in the Old Testament knew something about God's character as a present help. Look what it says. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. When the pandemic hit and leaders were telling us to close the doors and Christian leaders were thinking, man, I don't want to put anybody in harm's way. If In case this is like Ebola, I don't want people to have blood shooting out of their eyes on my watch, you know. Like, well, let's just be cavalier and come together and get, get people sick. Plus, there were people that had preconditions and issues with lungs and age and things like that. Of course, we're going to be sensible. But... At the same time, with, when things factually are being all flipped all over the place, it's, isn't it good to know that God who cannot lie sent the Holy Spirit who always and only leads us into capital T-H-E, T-R-U-T-H, the truth. And that thank God you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free and that the Holy Spirit never leads us in error, always leads us on the plain and straight path Thank you, Jesus. So when doctrine comes along, not doctrines of demons or cultic stuff, we know we get a check in our spirit, as they say. But even when the great preachers in the 70s got upset and misread the times and started saying, run into the woods with, with, with firewood and with, with uh, soybeans, or the other one said, all America's going to, it's a demise of America, it's going to die right really fast. They were both wrong. And I read, I read that book. No, that's wrong. No disrespect. The guy's twice my age. He's old enough to be my father, both of them. And I respect him to this day. But that was wrong. And I'm now getting barraged by opinions. and And you are too. Think this way. This is the battle. This is the fight. And there's a lot of call to arms, a lot of, a lot of uh, fire alarm buzzes going off. But thank God, this is why I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit. I want to teach on the rapture and the second coming. But these are pre-rapture, pre-second coming teachings, okay? I'm going to get there eventually. But we're somewhere between here and the end times. But I know it's important that we understand the value of the helper who has come. Who will you open up your Bible at your house when you feel cold and dry? He'll speak some things to you. I was in my living room. TV was on. I had family around. And then people started drifting off to bed and things. And God, I felt this subtle prompting. Read Proverbs 3. And it was like an inward voice, a still small voice. There's an inward witness where he says his spirit bears witness or testifies. It's subtle, but it's real. 
It's just this, it, some people call it intuition. Some people call it a conscience. Some people, the world calls it like clairvoyance and psychic power. And the, the, the uh, uh, ancient alien theorists call it like this part of your brain where the ancient aliens are now activating because so, we weren't ready yet. And now, and, but God has got it all clarified in the Judeo-Christian Bible. He's a spirit. And, and so, that, that, so Joseph Campbell will say, well, look at the similarity of this with Hinduism and this with Buddhism and this with all these other world religions. And it's the same, all the same person, one, you know, the, a different message is the same. And, and it's like, no, 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 Joseph Campbell, who died already and is a human being. Uh, what does this, yes, but what does the scripture say? Because man, even intelligent people, even, uh, uh, in, in sin, even sincere people in their intent, some of these people seem sweet, and, 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 but, 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 but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And even the preachers intending to tell me how to think and how to lead the church now in this time, it's like, I love you, I respect you, but I've got to hear from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. And you can say, I've been just, Pastor Jeff, my algorithms are taking me down rabbit holes with all kinds of things, and I'm questioning everything. Uh, I've watched people that act like they knew everything Question things, question things, question things, and you can watch the path of their life. They veer away from the truth themselves because they become critical. And the Holy Spirit will always and only guide us into the truth. Oh, you guys, I'm telling you this is important. This will Satan-proof you, deception-proof you, pride and arrogance-proof you. This will help you not to be deceived. This will sharpen your discernment. You know, Paul said, if, if an angel or me or anybody else comes and preaches any other gospel to you, man, uh, let it be cursed. You know, hold it in suspicion. Guard your heart. Yeah. Well, yeah, you need to, you need to t- question all authority. There, there's a rebellious anarchist spirit that takes that too far. We, we've got to humble ourselves and, and, and under the mighty hand of God and trust him and believe that God has actually sent a Holy Spirit that is to our advantage that he's gone away. We are in a highly advantageous situation. We could hear from God. And I think about Phil, and I, he, he, we would pray together on Saturdays. We did for a few years together. And I always asked Phil to pray for me because I knew Phil to be a man of God. And I knew he was led by the Holy Spirit. And he every time prayed something that was like, that's the Lord right there. And he wasn't like, I'm anointed. I'm spiritual. I'm a prophetic guy. No, it was coming out of a place of humility. In fact, Jesus even said this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you a rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And he says two things. Because I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. He's not like, I'm the most anointed in the church. Uh, I'm the one that ought to scream in the microphone and yell prophetically at you because I'm most anointed. Oh, that bothers me as a pastor. I'm 42 years pastoring here. And it's like the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I want to say something about prophecy. Personal prophecy has its place. But I watched error come into our movement, and I had to guard because I would watch people line up and be told things that were beyond what should have been said by somebody prophesying. Remember, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. And prophecy needs to have these three elements, edification, exhortation, and comfort. It doesn't say direction, uh, finalization, mandate, and you better do this or you're missing God. It It has to be confirmation, 
rather than revelation. Here's the thing. What God's revealed his, word, his will to us in his written word. His word's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That's why when the Bible says that he's, uh, the, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. That's the part he chooses to bring revelation to. So when I watch the ancient aliens uh, theorists, I go, oh, well, that's interesting, but I know the most reliable is the Holy Spirit speaking to a, a born-again spirit that's lined up with the scriptures. So when they say, or all these other things, that's pluralism. And in John chapter 10, he said, everybody else that comes before me is a liar. So then when Jesus says that, I have to, I have to embrace that. Well, that's bigotry. That's narrow-minded. It's the narrow path. No, it's not bigotry. It's getting li- aligned up with what, and dialed into what the scripture says and going with what the Bible says, right? None of us want to be bigots. None of us want to be uh, overbearing, uh, you know, like telling everybody that I'm right, every, my way or the highway. Uh, it, it, that's not the spirit of it. Jesus, remember, he said, my, my, because he said his yoke is easy, his burden is light. I'm gentle and humble of heart. The Jesus I've come to know is he's there to prompt us. Like even, even when I went out into the water, he was, trying to, he was trying to keep me from going on that trip. He was trying to keep me from getting out in that boat. He was trying to keep me from getting out of the, in the wetsuit and getting out of the water. He was trying to deal with me, and I just was stubborn. I just wasn't listening. And I got myself in trouble. But then, yea, verily, the words of the prophet John Lennon came to me. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Right? Through my snorkel. Jesus! And he pulled me out of the miry clay, set my feet upon the rock. You know, I hated that boat when I had, I had seasickness for 20 hours on that boat. I was wretching and blah, but for hours... I couldn't eat anything. I hated that. Ah, ah, ah. Then I get lost to sea. Oh, let me back on that rolly boat, man. I don't care how green and how I vomit. I am so happy to be back on that boat, right? People that get upset with church, I'm never going back to the your people that hurt my feet. And then it's like, ah, maybe you got seasick. Maybe, we, maybe you, I did hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. Sorry. But the, the alternative is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. I'll even get back on that barf boat. Church occasionally may be a barf boat. Your marriage occasionally may be a barf boat. Your family may occasionally be a barf boat, right? Whoa, but think at least you have a barf boat to get on. Everybody say barf boat. See, that is just gross. So what I want to tell you is we can become sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, and these guys, they, they get color coordinated. They dress up, you know, and, uh, you know, that, that, and just try to look cool. And, 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 uh, but they know that 1 Peter 3 says that not just adorning outwardly, um, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Didn't I just tell you what Jesus described himself as in Matthew eleven twenty eight? This is a preach. This, I never saw this before. He said he's gentle and humble of heart. 
the guys that were saying, get out in the woods with soybeans and wood, and, 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 and the, America's going to be demised. It's like, ah, that's not gentle and humble of heart. The guy that's sending me a book telling me how to think or coming to this meeting or doing, so wait, I love you. You're anointed. I respect you as a leader, but I've got to, def- I've got to defer to the Holy Spirit. I've got to figure out what the Holy Spirit is saying, right? This will keep us deception proof. This will prevent us from being manipulated. This will keep us out of fear-based decisions and out of laziness-based decisions. Where we're just, I don't care, whatever, or ah! we haven't received the spirit of slavery to fear again. And we also haven't received a spirit of lethargy. We've received the Holy Spirit of God and at the advantages so that we might know the things freely given to us by God. So no matter who you're with, no matter what they say, no matter what, how stimulating the meetings may be or how intellectual the speakers are, or how much experience they have, you've got an, an indicator called the Holy Spirit that will resonate things in your spirit. And there's an inward voice. In the scriptures, it says this, a voice will come to you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. You know, we see occasions where Moses looked around like, you know, it was like an audible voice. And we get kind of titillated by that. That rarely happens. But what definitely happens is the subtle prompting of the Holy Spirit. And he voices things to us. So, for example, it wasn't an inward witness that prompted me to Proverbs 3. It was the inner voice that prompted me to Proverbs 3. It was a little bit different. It was like, read Proverbs 3. I was like, oh, wow. And I, w- I wondered, I kind of knew that, that, that I, 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 and then he, then, I, then he said, read the whole chapter. So I read the whole chapter, and he knew that I was going to just try to read a little bit and then close it. And because, and you know, because of just, it, I wasn't at that place spiritually to sit. And, and, but then, he, so he said, so I, okay. So it's like I was in class. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So he's like, read the book, Jeff. So I'm reading it, and I read the whole thing. And he had me read it in a, um, 26 translations that has King James in the, in the dark letters and the bold, bold letters and then uh, variations from 26 different translations underneath. And so he had me read that and it was that prompting to read that and then just randomly read one. So I tried to be led by the Spirit to figure out which one to read. So I'd read one and I'd read one and, so I kept, and it disciplined me to keep going to read the whole thing and I, I would turn the page to see how much more I had to do and I was like, I was really, you know, this is a big deal, man. I'm running laps for God kind of a thing. I'm doing you a favor, God. And he's like, oh boy. So then I kept and I finally got it read. Oh yeah, endorphin rush. Woo! Whoa, you know. And then he, he said, now read it, but read it fast. So then I started stopping and reading and taking down all the Hebrew. And he goes, I told you to read it fast. I said, but this is just so good. I'll have you read it slow too, but read it fast. Because there's a a benefit to reading something fast that's different than meditating or reading something slow. That's why when Billy Graham said, just read a chapter in the Bible, it, it was like, okay. One of the greatest evangelists in the history of Christianity tells me to read a chapter in the Bible. I'm going to read a chapter in the Bible. And the, but yet, the Spirit prompted me to, to read it fast. So I, I, I kept reading it slow, and I said, okay. So I started it, and I was reading it fast. All right. And, and, and that Spirit, His Spirit is bearing witness with me. In fact, then I closed the book. And I thought, and then I, 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 
I didn't think it. As I was meditating on what was happening, again, I sensed the Holy Spirit say to me, this is your chapter for a while. Now, you've done this to me before. And I've lived in like Psalm 19 or Psalm, 1, uh, Psalm 91 when we came through is before the pandemic. Uh, I preached it about, I don't know, 28 months in a row every weekend. Uh, there was a verse, like one guy said to me, boy, we've been in Ziklag for a long time. First Samuel chapter 30. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, First Samuel chapter 30 where David returned to Ziklag, and, you know, there, there's all this story there about how David strengthened himself in the Lord. Remember the guy that I told you said the war, America's going to be judged in just, you know, s- several decades ago? Well, he's the same guy that, that I didn't turn completely off from. And years later, he's the guy that put me in touch with, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So had I just thrown the baby out with the bathwater, I wouldn't have benefited any further. But had I yielded at that moment when he was speaking his opinion... And it wasn't necessarily what the Holy Spirit was saying at the time. But it, so see, this is why I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will help us to be mature. Yeah. The Holy Spirit will help us to be on point. The Holy Spirit will help us not to be condescending in our, and dismissive in our judgment, but also not naive and gullible and vulnerable in the lack thereof. We're to judge with righteous judgment, but judge not lest you be judged. So there's all that scripture with scripture. What does that mean? Don't be critical, but also don't be gullible. Be loving in all and everything we do. Let everything be done in love. Did you hear me belittle either of those great men of God? No. I'm not dismissive or belittling them or the guy that sent me the book. No, I respect and honor them deeply, but I'm not required to take and drop everything and do what they tell me to do. People prophesying, move to this town and come do the... You got to watch out for that because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. So... Um, it's, what, it's, it's often interjected in a lot of their opinion about revival, about where the people should go to church, about giving money, all that kind of stuff. You just got to be led by the Holy Spirit going forward in this hour. Can I hear a hallelujah? hallelujah. And I'm almost done. Are you ready for this? Colossians 3.10. It says, and this is where we'll finish, put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. See, we put off the old man. We put on the new self. Ephesians 4.23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, Pastor Jeff, I thought you said we are spirits, we have souls, we live in bodies. Our minds need to be renewed. And uh, we have the mind of Christ. So some of these things, um, the the verbiage kind of, interposes. That's why it's so great that 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Paul's prayer to the Thess- about the Thessalonian church is, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may you, the, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved complete uh, without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. What I like about God's word is it's a two-edged sword and it brings distinction between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. You get an opportunity to go on a vacation with people, free place to stay, free rental car, free food. And if it's not God, it's not worth it. So you gotta hear from God. 
well, you can go here and you can experience this, and it's a time of a li lifetime. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity not to preach or to, to travel. or to. It, it, you say, okay, yeah, but we're going to let the Holy Spirit have veto power, right? And His Spirit bearing witness with our spirit. And instead of being freaked out and nervous about it, we develop in this and we, because he will sanctify us entirely so that our whole spirit and soul and body are preserved blameless till the coming of the Lord. Hebrews 4.12, I know I told you I'd finish with Colossians 2 or 3.10, but uh, this one, Hebrews 4.12 says, God's word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and it brings distinction between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That alludes to spirit, soul, body, and it tells us that the word, as we spend time in, like I'm reading Proverbs 3, it's bringing division between soul and spirit. In fact, it says in that Proverbs 3, I think it's 5, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. What are you facing? What are you dealing with? You got great grandkids, you got grandkids, they're going to need guidance from you. Stay tuned up in the Holy Spirit. Keep your head up. Don't let fatigue take over. Let him energize you. Don't let hype take over. Don't let the voices of the times, no matter how many. Boy, through the COVID thing, so many prophecy messages were coming out. And so many, because of the, uh, the benefit of of live stream and, and, and YouTube and all that, all of a sudden it's all there. We need discernment like never before. We need to rightly divide what the word of God says and we need to say, yeah, but what does the scripture say and what's God saying to me, right? That way we won't be susceptible to manipulation, the dis doctrines of demons or lethargy where we just lean on our own understanding. <laughs> We're gonna be following the Holy Spirit from here on out, right? His spirit bears witness with our spirit. A voice will say, this is the way walk ye in it. You don't need to go to a psychic. You don't need somebody flipping cards and saying, it says death. You know, it, the, he says, I just flipped this card and it says eternal life. Let's all stand up on our feet. That was a good way to end right there. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, double knuckle bump somebody next to you. Just give somebody just two knuckle bumps. Come on. No, you're giving only five there. You got to do 10 and 10, 10 and 10. Come on, get it right. Come on, church. Come on. I realize knuckle bumping is the 90s, but we're going to do it. Now say this with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. The Holy Spirit guides me. And he's guiding me next door to pack up groceries. All right now, hallelujah. <laughs>